Welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I appreciate you tuning in today. This week, my guest is someone I've had on before, an incredible mountain biker, skier, mom, and wife. Rose Grant, a multiple-time national mountain bike marathon national champion and a two-time Leadville champion, was one of the 30 women selected to compete in the first-ever Lifetime Grand Prix, a series of six mountain bike and gravel races from April through October, in which the all-star cast of athletes would be competing for a $100,000 prize purse. I talked with Rose in May after the first race in the series, the Sea Otter Classic, and she agreed that she'd come on once the season was finished and share her experiences this year. So she found some internet in a coffee shop in her hometown of Columbia Falls, Montana, and is joining me in this conversation about the Lifetime Grand Prix, among many other things. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Rose. Good to see you again. Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. Glad to have you on again. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me back. My pleasure. It's a treat to have you back. We talked in the spring. It was after Seattle. Um, I know that you are episode 18 on the podcast, and you had one of the Lifetime Series races under your belt with five to go. And you made the promise to come back on and talk about the Lifetime Series. So I really appreciate you making the time, heading to a coffee shop for some decent internet and uh, coming on. Actually, I feel like you're probably more taking a break from skinning uphill and getting some powder turns in than uh, heading to the coffee shop. But anyway, thank you for the sacrifice you made for some time on the pod again. It's my pleasure. It's actually a really nice break, as you said, my daughter has been sick the last well over the weekend and um so i'm giving her one more rest day today so she's home but our lack of internet at home did drive me to the coffee shop today um and it's a very cold morning here like 12 degrees and oh, wow. just kind of bundled up drinking a coffee and kind of thought i should work this into my daily schedule a little more often there's nothing wrong with coffee shop time I often take a computer to a coffee shop and do work. It's kind of fun. Um, but uh, you are recently retired from racing professionally on the mountain bike and kind of gravel. And you just completed the Lifetime Grand Prix. I know what place you got, but what place did you finish the Lifetime Grand Prix in? I was fourth in the GC at the end of That's the year. Um, that's awesome. You're kind of laughing. Were you, were you kind of, kind of hoping for better maybe? Well, I was, I really was, um, you know, my results, the first, the first half of the races were very lackluster and I just wanted to do better. And I didn't, I just didn't have the best year. And I kind of feel like that is, I don't know. I just, it was kind of a reminder of like, man, race fitness just gets harder and harder to attain and you're kind of navigating all these other ups and downs of life and um it's a reminder that it's a lot when you're juggling parenthood and um you know marriage and home life and trying to be connected and stay involved with what's going on at home and then travel and training and um 
I've been preparing for this uh, retirement for a while. I've known all year that, that I was going to be done at the end of the year. And even last year, kind of figured I was kind of feeling like it was coming to a close soon. Um, but I did have some good races. Um, of course, it's kind of like my my trend is to, I don't know, I honestly, I almost attribute it to spending time in Colorado for Leadville that it really boosts my fitness. And I think that um, altitude training really benefits my biologically, my, my biology really well. And um, I had a good race at Leadville and just kind of continued that through the season to completion end. Um, ended up fourth, which I was really thankful for based on how some of those first races went. Yeah, no doubt. I think you were, were you 10th at uh, Sea Otter? You were 8th at Sea Otter. Sorry. Yeah, um. I was 8th at Sea Otter, and then I was 13th at Unbound, and then I I thought I was going to have a good race at Crusher and the Tusher because I was feeling good, and I ended up 11th, which I wasn't happy about, and I think had I out um, done some altitude training for that race, it would have gone a lot better, but of course hindsight's 2020. So that didn't go well. And then after that, um, I just, we were already halfway through. I just had Leadville, Schwamigan and, um, Big Sugar. So I, you know, and I was still sitting in the top 10, like I was maybe still around seventh, even with those results, just because I wasn't the only one that had bad luck. You know, I mean, I think there's right. just so many variables that happen and, you know, I mean, I don't know how many people didn't even get to complete the series due to being unable to finish a race from, um, you know, crashing or having a mechanical or being sick, um, so, you know, I mean, I, I know that <laughs> consistency definitely played the upper hand. Um, and even though I wouldn't consider, you know, anything around the top 10 to be, or like 10th or 11th to be very good, I think it's just enough to not, you know, bomb everything completely. So kept me in the running yeah. at least. You know, one thing I... It, I find interesting about the lifetime series is the way they do points. And first of all, lifetime, you had to apply to be a part of the series, the grand prix. And they chose 30 people, 30 men, 30 women. And you were scored based on how you finished within the group of people doing lifetime, not Overall, so when you say you were, um, what place did you say it unbound? Eleventh or twelfth oh, or thirteenth? Um, you were thirteenth at unbound, but you scored in the top ten for the lifetime series. Oh, so see, and I, I don't even. Yeah, see, I didn't even really pay too much attention to. Well, it's you didn't. I, that's actually yeah. a question because uh, I. I Let's go to let's go to Leadville. You finished second overall and second in the lifetime. Uh, Hannah Otto finished first, and so she took away first place points. Or I guess yeah, it's like golf. No, it is first place points. Um, Thirty points for first, and then on down to um, I believe one for thirtieth or I don't know, um, but. 
did you, was Lifetime, here's a question, was Lifetime or Leadville more important when you're in that race? Because you're two-time defending champion of uh, the Leadville 100 mountain bike race, which by the way, we're both wearing our Leadville sweatshirts. Yeah. Mine's a little older than yours. <laughs> and um, uh, a little tattier, but nonetheless, I it's, More it's probably almost 20 years old. It does yeah. have character. Um, so are you thinking about Lifetime or are you thinking about Leadville when Hannah's in front of you going up the boulevard to the finish line at, at Leadville? Um, you know, I, I think I was in a little bit different place this year going into Leadville, just A, knowing that I maybe didn't have the same confidence that I've had other years, or I didn't want to win as bad. I didn't feel like I wanted to win as bad as say last year when I was, you know, doing a film story on the race. And, um, it was kind of like the very focus of my season. Um, this year, of course I wanted to defend and I showed up the best that I had on the day and the best preparation I could have done. Cause after I finished Crusher and the Tusher, I was feeling honestly pretty defeated. And I went home after that race and a couple of my mountain bike friends were visiting Kate Boyle and Kurt Ruff Snyder. And we were hanging out at my house and having coffee on the porch. And I said, man, if things don't turn around, I might not go to Leadville. I was like, wow. I just, yeah, not characteristic of me, you know, and I was just not really feeling inspired, I guess. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be gone from home because I know the commitment that it takes to do well at Leadville for me that's worked in the past is to go two weeks early, you know, to give myself real time to, to acclimate. And I have an altitude tent at home too that I used for two weeks prior to leaving two weeks prior to Leadville. And that's a commitment. Um, and I was kind of just not having good sensations on the bike. And so, you know, that's kind of where my headspace was at. And so I had, a, I went on a, like a midweek group gravel ride here at home. Shortly thereafter, I recovered, I recovered from Crusher and the Tusher and I had a really good ride. It was really fast paced with some local or some, um, Sam Boardman, who is a pro racer for Legion 39 and, um, Jessica Sarah and some other really strong locals, you know, and I just had really good sensations and I could not be dropped. And I was really happy about that. And so I was like, okay, like, you know, it only took me like six months, but maybe we're here again. Finally, I finally found my race fitness. It took forever. <laughs> and so, um, packed up the car and brought Layla down to Colorado with me and, um, you know, just put the time in. Cause also it's like, I know, I just want to know at the end of the day that I did my best and I, I didn't cut corners. I showed up and I put in the time and I just, I'm covering my bases to have my best day. So we did it. And I went into Leadville just with an open mind, you know, like I'm not, attached I mean I'm attached to the win a little bit but also I know the depth of field is so much greater than any year previously with it being a Grand Prix race and 
you know, how and how there were other women that I knew wanted to win more than I did. And, um, you know, I was just in a mind space of let the race come to you, you know, you know how to race this race and just allow yourself the space to see what happens. And it was for the series, you know, it's not just this race this time. There's a greater scope here of what we're trying to accomplish. And so that Grand Prix paycheck was in the back of my mind is to just be consistent. Like this is yours, just about consistency. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. And based on how I felt the end of last year, this year was in large, like a bonus season for me where I didn't have, I didn't have huge goals. I like, I've won Leadville twice. Like I don't need to prove that I can do it, you know, again or another two times or, you know, and I put down a great time at Leadville. I still put down a sub 730 and, um, you know, that is not to be scoffed at. That's faster than the first year I won. And then, um, Hannah was like five minutes in front of me, which was she finished her finish time this year was almost exactly, it was like 10 seconds different from my finish time last year. So she had a phenomenal race. So it's not like I had, I lost, I had got, it's not like I got second place based on a bad performance. Um, and so, you know, you just have to really keep that in perspective and then knowing all the hurdles that, you know, I personally went through to get there and just working through the motivation and, you know, maybe like the lack of inspiration, um, that I still went and I still did it and I still did a good job. Um, you know, I just was able to be really proud of myself despite all that. And then also have a little bit of hope and like a little more excitement for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wondered if that like kicked off the rest of your season. Yeah. And I went home, you know, after Leadville and then, I, oh yes, I, I, ra I raced Leadboat. So oh, after gosh, I finished yeah. Leadville, I went over to Steamboat and raced the Steamboat Gravel, which I just basically rode the dang thing. I, um, I think I finished 15th in the women and, you know, I rode it by myself pretty much the whole time. I just had one speed and I think around finally at around a hundred miles, I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to be able to finish this. I felt my legs don't hurt anymore. And I don't know wow. if it's just cause like I was riding solo and stopped like trying to do the surges with people. But, um, my start was slow. You know, I remember just the front of the, like, I just didn't even care. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. And for those who don't know who are listening, Leadboat is doing Leadville 100 miles through the mountains, the highest incorporated town in the United States. And the next day, how far is Steamboat? 140 miles? Yeah, I was like just over 140 miles. The very next day, you finish Leadville, you get in the car and you go to Steamboat and you get on your bike and do a 140-mile gravel race the very next day. That's crazy. Who even thought that that honestly. was a good idea? Well, you know, and it, I had saddle sores from Leadville. I just barely could sit on my saddle. They were so painful. And then also it decided to torrential downpour, which happens in the mountains in Colorado, but I was not prepared with a raincoat. And I spent the last 30 miles of that race just slogging through 
this downpour and by the finish I was so cold I was just ready to like be done and go home <laughs> I can't even um, imagine but and I think I finished third in that particular challenge um so but I also was like I I'm here I'm capable I kind of just want to say that I did it before I retire you know yeah just, that's fair why not you know and I just didn't have I can think any, of 140 reasons why not. And I just didn't have any expectations for Steamboat, though. You know, I just kind of took all the pressure off and gave myself the permission to just ride the thing how I wanted to and not feel like I was jeopardizing uh, safety or, you know, anything like that. It's just ride how you are able to, and you're going to get to the finish. But along with that, you know, you I think is like the length of some of these challenges and these events with, you know, Undown being 200 miles and, and just really feeling like, um, this, this, this length of these events is, it's, it's not good for anyone to do that. Like we're not meant to do that as humans and you give the challenge to the right person and they're all over it. But in the end, it's just not the way our bodies are meant to function. And, um, you know, it's like I thought 100 miles was long. And now we're doing 200 miles. And it's just bizarre. Like, and you see the same thing in ultra running, too. I have a girlfriend and her husband did a 100-mile run recently. And he ended up getting hospitalized during his travels home, like during his layover, because he was so, I don't know if he had rhabdo or was just dehydrated or undernourished or I don't know what, but I was just, and that was, again, I was like, man, it's because people aren't meant to run 100 miles either. <laughs> this is insane. Like, I'm just excited to be in a place where I feel like I can just be healthier, you know, and not do these crazy things that really, you know, it's like exercise for health and then you can just take it to the extreme and it's not healthy anymore. <laughs> yeah. How was but, Unbound for you? That was your first 200 miler. Yeah, I, it was rough. I, um, was sick, really sick the, like for two weeks right before the race. And so I didn't, get in those last training rides that I had been planning on and felt like in our, our spring here in Montana was heinous. Like we were dealing with really cold, really wet, um, even snow, like late into the spring. And I didn't do a ride over six hours in preparation for Unbound and just did not feel like I got the volume in that I needed to for the race but also knowing like I did my best and then I ended up getting really quite sick. And I, I don't know, I never tested positive for COVID, or, but I was sick and I was so sick. I lost my voice and I was wow. so sick. Like, um, the, like even the day that I was supposed to travel, I ended up changing my flight to two days later. So I think instead of traveling on a Tuesday before I traveled on Thursday before, to give myself a couple more days to recover because I was just on the brink and I was like not well enough to travel. I had no voice. And then by Thursday, I was feeling quite a bit better. Um, or by Wednesday, maybe I was feeling quite a bit better, just well enough to be able to go and do it and to be 
um, not contagious anymore and hopefully over the brink of the worst of it. But, you know, largely I wasn't ready to go do that event. But I went and did it. You did go um, do it. I, I can't believe you went and did it. <laughs> yeah. And and I was glad I did. Again, it was kind of like the lead boat thing. Like, I wanted to experience it. And I knew, well, I didn't know how it, it would go, honestly. But um, the stories were true. And after I finished Unbound, I pretty much swore, irregardless of retirement or not, I would never do that race again. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. But... You know, I honestly, I felt like, I felt like I entered into a death sentence, honestly, during the first 30 miles of that race. It was so dangerous. And, um, you know, the mass start at those speeds, it's just, you know, it's just, a, I, I, I ended up, you know, like I think everyone I knew ended up crashing at some point, like hard. I crashed hard and you're going at these speeds trying to ride with these groups of men and it is a free for all. And I just think that race promoters really need to think about safety when they're planning these races. Um, you know, and the safety of the women too, you know, like, well, the safety of everybody, like it might not be beneficial to the guys to have us women in their group either, because, you know, we're just at a different level than the fast guys. Um, anyway, I, I don't know, you know, in the lack of markings and the road crossings and there's no course marshals and, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, are you I glad you did it? I want to live and I want to live another day and I yeah. wouldn't do it again. I am glad I did it. I'm glad that I was able to go and experience it. And it, it was my dropped race and I kind of anticipated that it would probably be my dropped race. But I also wanted to know that, you know, if I had something else happen later in the year that I had at least that to fall back on. Okay. So that's why even go in the first place. Because if you mm -hmm. don't go, then you have to have the rest of the races. Like nothing else yeah. can go wrong. So that, yeah, because okay, you have to sense. finish. Well, you have to start five of six races. But you know, at that point, they do count five finishes. So if you don't finish and you don't get any points, um, it will really impact the overall. So, it definitely yeah. no, would I impact the really, overall. I was really minded, mindful of the overall, you know, with the decisions that I made throughout the year. And it was the focus of my season. I didn't race a whole lot outside of the Grand Prix series. Can I ask uh, the $100,000 total prize purse for the GC and I assume that was split 50-50. So 50,000 the women are racing for 50 grand and the men are racing for 50 grand. Is that like life-changing good money? Like is that worth turning your season inside out for? Um if there were opportunity to make money outside of the Grand Prix series, then no. However, we didn't have very much opportunity to make money outside of that as mountain bikers, at least. Okay. There's a lot of gravel races that pay out well, but I've come to realize, like, I'm not the best gravel racer. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy riding gravel. I think it's great training. But um, just the dynamic 
of the fast group riding, I do not like it. And I'm hesitant because I'm like, I'm nervous. I don't want to get hurt. And so tactfully, therefore, I don't end up typically doing well. Um, there are, there are multiple gravel races that you can get decent prize money if you win or finish well, but I kind of realized like those aren't my strong, strong races. Yeah. You're a mountain biker. Yeah. And there weren't really many mountain bike races that offered a good payout. And I did want to make some money. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, if there were an alternative, like I heard they're putting together for 2023 with the single track series. Mm. Um, I don't know what that payout looks like for those events, but you know, it's an alternative to what lifetime has offered to be more geared for mountain bike by mountain bikers. Yeah. Even the mountain bike races that lifetime offered, they were hardtail races for sure. You know? Yep. Yep. So there was sure. still really gravel ish style in a lot of ways, or you could ride a gravel bike on them. So the single track series is supposed to offer money and it's supposed to offer like some kind of more backcountry, rugged, more rugged terrain type of style of racing. So that's cool. And that would, that would have been something that I would have enjoyed to continue doing. Um, but you know, the money that lifetime offers is still unmatched, you know, it's right. probably will continue to still be unmatched. And it's, it's interesting that when you have money in your back pocket, how, that gives you power, you know, to be able to consume, you know, the cycling industry in the U.S. And it is a business, you know, the way that they do require the application process. Like there's a strategy to it because like when it comes to psychology, people want to be included in this thing because, you know, it's not everyone can do it. And but that's how Lifetime has done you know, all of their events in the past with their lottery system and feeling like if you make it into the race, you're super special. Right, right. <laughs> Which makes people, you know, be motivated to qualify and, you know, pay all this money to get, you know, and so it works because that's how a human psychology works. And I don't know that I agree with that method, um, especially for races like Leadville that are huge races, um, you know, winning in 2019 and 2021, like there's zero payout. I made nothing from lifetime. And in my opinion, like the pros should be making something from big events like that. There's no prize money at Leadville. Mm -mm. You do have a big trophy. I have a belt buckle too. And a belt buckle. I like that. Yeah. Um, that being said, I have five belt buckles and I didn't win. Yeah. I did not win. You should. There you go. You got to yeah. check at Schwamigan. How are those two different? Different race promoters. Yeah, but they're both lifetime races. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. But yeah. Um, I mean, it's very much a fundraiser event, you know, and I don't know. They say that, you know, what I took out of that was that they have, they offer school lunch program. Oh, and, that's cool. You know, um, it, it definitely was started like, oh. to fuel 
Leadville's economy, which is commendable. And uh, Ken Kluber is like angel sent from heaven and uh, just had such good intentions for starting uh, the Leadville run and then the Leadville mountain bike race. Um, but it is a freaking huge race and golly, I think they'd give you at least, I do a local criterium and I can make a hundred bucks, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I find that super interesting. Um, and that was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about was the, the financial reward for participating in, um, lifetime series. But something else I want to talk about, you hinted at this, is the application process and the strategy around who they chose to participate. And I want to take that one step further. And, like, it just seems weird that there are – I know there are men. I don't know if there are women. I I don't even know if they got 30 women uh, in the very beginning. I think they did, but um, I know that there were men who did not make it, and there are men who didn't finish, and the fact that there are men who didn't finish, and there are people who did not get in, pisses the people off who did not get in, and are like, I'd still be there, I'd be doing the whole thing. Well, because there are people that didn't finish that just simply chose not to finish. It's not right. that they tried and something happened and they weren't able to because they were sick or injured or. Right. Yeah. Right. Broke a leg or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Or. Uh, well, I'm very much a contender of start finishing what you start, you know, for the most part. Um, I would say there's always a gray area, um, but to go into it knowing certain things, like it's unfortunate that Big Sugar conflicted with Mountain Bike Marathon Nationals, like that was a big deal. But it was something that I knew going into the series, and I knew that I didn't go into it with the mindset of, well, if I'm not doing well, I'll just skip Big Sugar and go to Marathon Nationals. Mm. You know, you have Alexis Sparta who got on a plane after Big Sugar and flew herself to Maryland and raced Marathon Nationals to defend her title. And she had a great race for two-thirds of the race. I was (laughs) super impressed. She blew up, you know, like, that is just... You know, it's just unfortunate that the, the level of commitment that Leadville requires also puts athletes in this other position where, you know, you really have to choose. And that feels hard that Leadville is taking us and turning us into gravel racers and kind of clones to do this series and be this person that fits into the application specifications for the money um, or to be feel like we're included into this special group. Um, So I think, you know, I don't know if I would do it again if I were still racing. I didn't hate it. I learned a lot. There were races I hated. I learned that I don't enjoy racing gravel. Um, 
especially the mass start gravel races. The women's only starts were a lot better. I actually had my favorite gravel race here at home, the last best ride. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people <laughs> that talk the, about that. That was the weekend after uh, uh, Lead Boat. I came home, I had an awesome race, I like the you next did. weekend. You were in great shape. <laughs> I had, and I was, I was able to recover. I just think coming down from that altitude, I don't know. I just felt like I was, you know, flying high. I'm sure you were. I've always heard that you should run a 10K the week after running a marathon because you're in like your best shape you'll ever be in. And that was probably your, uh, the um, best last ride. Yeah. How, what was the distance of that? 100k or 100 miles? It was 90. 90 miles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 90 miles. That's legit. Yep. That's not a 10k. And it's fun. You know, it's um, it's got some big rugged climbs in it, long climbs. Um, I know it's not completely backcountry, but you get back there and it's it's really cool. It's not your flat road race style gravel race. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, you know, not only do I know the course, but also it suits a mountain biker too because... It takes some, you know, extra bike handling and, mm-hmm. you know, those long climbs really separate the, the, the people, the groups. Yeah. So that's also really fun. Yeah. Huh. I'll probably race that again. Oh, cool. This year. I mean, or ride it. I'll probably ride it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, I do want to go back to kind of the points and the mentality of the series versus the race. Um, talked about you and Hannah at Leadville and Hannah was in the lifetime Grand Prix, but let's fast forward to Schwamm again, 40 mile mountain bike race, uh, which by the way, welcome to our world. We love Schwamm again, going for 20 years. Oh, it's, it is so cool to see that community rally around that event. It is really, it was really nice. Like it reminded me of Iceman in a yeah, lot of ways, yep, how excited yep. the community is about that. I feel like Iceman and Schwamigan and um, North, the Orta Shore race are kind of like brother-sister races, all mm-hmm. kind of similar, similar terrain, point-to-point, north, uh, yeah. uh, kind of North Woods races. Uh, so welcome to Schwamigan. It was great to see you there. Thanks. Um, on, oh my gosh, the wettest... It's that was the hardest schwamigan I've ever done. It was so wet. I know you guys did not mm-hmm. have actual rain during the race, and I think wasn't it dry the first half for you? Yeah. It. Um, well. Or did the it, whole the grass was wet? On? The grass was wet because okay. it was on ski trail for like a while. Yeah, a long but while. Once some of the muddy sections, or, or like non, like some of the road sections. Um, the non-grassy and non-gravel. Um, the mud didn't happen for a ways in, but then it got really muddy and yeah. slippery, like really slippery mud. <laughs> um, I guess what it was was it started raining about an hour after we started. So uh, we were not, we the, being the amateurs who raced three hours before you, two hours before you, uh, did not churn up the mud until about halfway through. So you, you started running into our tire marks about halfway through. But okay. um, so speaking of halfway through, Sevilla uh, Blanc, who won that race, she said she pulled away about halfway through 
Yeah. And you were obviously among the group who were looking at her. Sevilla was not in the Lifetime Grand Prix. When you watch her ride away, are you thinking, I don't care if she rides away, she's not in my, I'm not racing her today? Or are you thinking like, dang, I wanted to win Schwamm again. I want to go catch that girl who's ahead of me. Like, what's your mentality as you see her up, up in front of you and you know she's not in the Lifetime Grand Prix? Um, yeah, so when we hit that mud, Sevilla was already at the front of the group. And I was, like, back mid-pack somewhere. And it was kind of mayhem for a bit. There was a lot of people that didn't know how to ride those conditions. And so there was people crashing and just like foot out, you know, like trying to get down some of these descents. And it took me a while to get through all that congestion. Um, cause I think by the time I did and things kind of spaced out again, Alexis Scarta and Kelsey Urban were riding together in front of me. And then also, Sevilla was in front of them, gapped off. And I first caught Sarah Sturm and Haley Smith were riding in a group of two. So I moved through them, and then I bridged up to Alexis and Kelsey. So I had a really good day at Schwamigan. Um, my, I was just, I was just firing on all cylinders, and so um, that was cool. And I. I had a, a drop chain a few times just with the mud and everything. I think I couldn't keep my front chain ring on. So I dropped that. I had to stop three times to put my chain back on. But was able to, like, move back through the groups that passed me. So I was kind of remaining in second. And, I mean, I was just balls to the wall. Like, I was going as hard as I could. And it felt good because my body was able to respond to the effort that I was asking. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> but um, I didn't think about that during the race of like, like during that race, I was just like going as hard as I could. I wasn't letting up or, um, you know, I was going, I was chasing, I was chasing as hard as I could. Cause I did want to win a race. Like I didn't win any big races this whole year. Like I was second three times in big races. And um, you know, like I won a lot of races last year and I just, you know, I just wanted to win a race. Fair enough. That's fair. Um, so, I mean, I was going as hard as I could. I, I also don't remember if I processed during the race that, oh, it's actually fine because Sevilla is not in the Grand Prix. I don't, I don't remember thinking that. Okay. So, um, I do remember thinking I'm in second and... I felt bad at the end because Lifetime excluded Sevilla and made it look like I won the race. 100%. 100%. And I even had people from home be like, wait, I'm so confused. Rose, did you win or did you get second? And I said, I got second. I said, but the way that Lifetime excluded Sevilla and didn't give her like the acknowledgement that I felt like she deserved for winning that event, it made me feel bad. Well. Because <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I did not win the race. You did not. I, I won, I won at the Grand Prix. Athletes. Right, right. And they did have um, two kind of podium, pre two, podium. Yep, two podium presentations. 
And I yeah. was, I was, um, <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I was still like picking dirt out of my ears um, when you finished. So I did not see your finish, which saddened me. But by the time I got back to the, like the festival, they were doing podium and there's Rose Grant first place. And I was like, oh my gosh, Rose won. And then they moved over 90 degrees to like the log stump podium. And yeah, uh, the race podium. Yep, the race podium. And then it was different. I was like, wait a minute, I thought Rose won. And they, you know, Sevilla gets at the top step. So it was confusing. Yeah, and you know, granted, they, and they did do, they did do two podiums at all the lifetime races. But it was rare, honestly, that a non-lifetime person, you know, was on that podium. But here you had at Schwamigan particularly, and I think it's because it was a shorter race, and you had Sevilla, who won, and Kelsey, who I believe was third, third or fourth, who were not in the Lifetime Grand Prix, but both of them are dating guys who were in the Grand Prix, and they're you know, World Cup racers, but Schwamigan is a two-hour event. So it was like an event that they could do, and it was more of an, a World Cup effort. Yep. And so they participated. Um, but it wasn't common to the other races. The other lifetime races would not have been appealing to a World Cup racer because they're so crazy long and would not have benefited them in any sort of way. Correct, correct. <laughs> So that, and that's, so Schwamigan's the only race that I feel like that scenario really came into play. I see. Uh, it, it definitely was confusing. Um, but uh, I, I just was curious if Lifetime Grand Prix played with your head as you are chasing Sevilla through the... Uh, well, I mean, I, I was relieved too, in a way. I was like, well, yay. I mean, I'm... At least I got first place points. Right, right. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> points mattered. Like you, uh, Haley Smith won the lifetime overall, 138 points. Uh, Sophia Gomez Villafone, 134 points. So she was four points behind Haley. And Sarah Sturm finished with 134 as well. So they both tied for second. And then you were fourth with 131. So all of you were within seven points. So that, I mean, points yeah. mattered. I know. And it just made me think, gosh, Rose, if you could have just done a little bit better at some of these other races, like you would have been. Yeah, it was super close. <laughs> you would have probably been able to move up a place or two, but anyway, it is what it, it is. is. What it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I do want to move on from lifetime and talk about your life, but, um, before we do that, Big Sugar, uh, Paige Onweller, what a day. Um, second year racing, maybe? I know that we talked about in the spring um, your meteoric rise to the top of the um, sport, and I feel like Paige kind of did the same thing. She won Big Sugar, and like, who's even heard of Paige, right? Until this year, yeah. that was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, good for her. I just met her. I mean, I, I recognized her ponytail in the races because she always did, like, this bubble braid thing. Um, but I didn't really know who she was. But I associated her braid with the kit 
and knew I rode around her at some point during the races. Um, and yeah, at Big Sugar, I didn't quite make the cut in the start. It took me a while to bridge back up to the women's, the lead women's group. And the only one that wasn't there at the time was Ruth Winder. We were probably 30 miles in. Ruth Winder was out front somewhere. And I was riding in the group with the rest of the women and rear flatted and had to drop myself out of the group. And so I didn't know what was going on in front of me, but she, it, it was apparent that things broke up and she ended up doing really well. Yeah, well, she won. She won um, lifetime and overall, I believe. I'm sure she won overall. Yeah, yep. And um, Yeah, that was awesome. And gosh. I always root for the underdog, right? Well, I feel like so she's, the, well, she was the underdog until Big Sugar. Now people will have their eye on that ponytail next year. For sure. Yeah. Well, let's see. She raced um, Iceman mm. also. How'd she do there? So after Big Sugar, I think we were all kind of like, oh, we got to look out for um, Paige. So she had a tar- <laughs> She had a mark. She was marked woman after yeah, that. Yeah, she did good. Yeah. yeah, I think she was probably fourth at Iceman. But that was, Iceman was particularly fast this year with uh, Seville and Alexis out there. And Rose. So made me work. Made me work. Yeah, I was just hanging on. <laughs> um, it's like, I can't do this anymore. These young girls are just killing well, me. Well, <laughs> I know you were super excited to go to Iceman. And that was kind of the um, yeah uh, exclamation point at the end of your career, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was definitely the grand finale of the races. And um, yeah, I just... It's interesting, too, because it's like, I think over the course of last year and this year, I I showed up for any title that I had and slowly let them, I mean, I didn't let them go, but they got taken from me, and Iceman was the last to do that, and so I retired without any um, titles wow. or, like, champion of any race. So you there's, know? Like, there's no... FOMO to go defend a title next year, which is kind of nice. No, I have no titles to defend. And that's actually like one of the things too, that I have thought about a lot as I have planned this ending is, you know, how long do I want to go fight for my Leadville title? And how long do I want to go fight for marathon national championship title? Like I have multiple titles of a lot of events and you know, it's just like, it's just not enough. It's just not enough to motivate me anymore. It's like, I've already proven myself. Like, I don't need to keep going and doing this. The same races, maybe at least. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that, I don't know, like, I, it also kind of feels good in a sense to have shown up and fought for all of those and have them also kind of taken from me legitimately. And... Yeah, you know, it just feels really complete. So That's awesome. That's a very healthy attitude and, and very nice way to, I don't know, cap a career. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to ask the same question, two different trains of thoughts. Um, I talk about all the time how old I am and I am – 58 and I still like I signed up for a gravel race at the end of 
February, I'll do it. Like I'm, I still race. We're do, we'll do Schwam again, again. We could be talked into Leadville again. Um, so we do still pin a number on, um, there's some criterium racing going on here in Des Moines. I'll probably pin a number on. And, um, and I enjoy that. I enjoy pinning a number on. So you're, you're only 40, you're young. Um, do you feel like you've retired from pro elite level bike racing? Will you still pin a number on at anything in the future? Oh, I think probably, um, at some point I, I'm not opposed to it. And I feel like largely I, I have worked through my ego, you know, that I think I could put a number on and, and race for a different reason. Um, aside from searching for those unstoppable race sensations, like I had at Schwamigan, you know, it's like, I just would have to kind of mentally prepare for a different race experience, knowing that a large part of the reason I've chosen to retire is so that my day-to-day -day life at home can be different, look different, let go of the structure, be able to capitalize on this beautiful place that I live and doing a bigger and more diverse activities, you know, being able to ski in the winter and not being out there in the snow on my bike or in the basement. Um, and so that's, that was what I was going for. And so if I have a reason to put a number on that, you know, whether it's just that I want to, or I want to support an event, like I plan to for the last best ride this summer, um, being in my, in Whitefish nearby where I live. And a, my, a very good friend of mine is the promoter of that race just to support her. And even if I just do the 50 miler, you know, I'm sure there's going to be women that I know that would be so stoked that we all ride together or, you know, do an event with my daughter or, um, yeah. So I don't know. It just depends on what the motivation is behind racing, knowing that it's not to win. Um, and, you know, there's a piece of me, too, that for a while was like, am I even going to want to race if I can't win or I don't feel like I can win or I'm not, you know, that's not what I'm working for. Um, and I think I can because I have learned over the last several years that there there's always more to everything than oh, winning is not the most important thing. And like I said, before we started recording, I even was talking to a friend the other day as we were skinning our mountain. And, you know, he's like, well, bro, it's like, I really hope that you're not too proud to come race with us at our local events. You know, like, it's really just about hanging out with your friends and having a good time. And, you know, and that kind of made an impression on me, too. It's like, you know, you're, you're the community doesn't go anywhere. You're still part of that. And people don't really care if you win or don't win. Like, they, they want you know, just to all be together and have a good time. And so, yeah, I think it depends and we'll just take, take it as it comes. Um, but I'm not making any plans. Fair enough. <laughs> so if you got to pick one lifetime series event to do again, what event would you do? Um, probably Leadville. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can understand that. That being said, you're always welcome to Schwamigan as well. 
Yeah, thank you. Going beyond the lifetime events, if you got to pick another event, um, what would you participate in? So any event that you've ever done. Well, BC bike race I've never done, but I've always wanted to do it. Dig it. wonder if you could talk Courtney into doing that with you. She used to do well there. I think she's won it, hasn't she? Very quite possibly. I know she and Katarina raced against each other a couple times, or at least once. So, yeah. yeah. Never know. know, Never know. Yeah, you know, and and it would be maybe just be fit enough to go ride six big days in a row. Right. You know. And there might just be a, a pleasure in that. Yeah, exactly. So how is life now? Like coming off of, um, you know, taking the number off one last time after Iceman and um, heading home, settling into snowy Montana and uh, putting your skis on, um, as you said, guilt-free this year. Uh, How, like, how is this transition going for you? Overall, really good. I think any time that I feel mixed feelings or like, wow, this is really weird. I just have to really remind myself of it's okay to relax. Like you're still only a month out of your race season and just like ride the wave. I think that's how I've always, I've looked at, you know, these life transitions, even within racing um, or life in general is just ride the wave, give yourself some space to transition, you know, and I'm working towards my coaching credentials. Um, and even that, like, I feel like it's taking longer than I wanted it to, but also I'm trying to have a relaxed perspective towards that in a sense to where it's like, it's okay to take some time to figure out the next steps. And, and, um, when I finished Iceman, um, it was hunting season here at home and we, our family really enjoys getting out in the mountains and hunting. And so I had that to kind of focus on. And, and that was a really nice activity because it's very unstructured and, and hunting is really interesting because you never know what's going to happen that day. You know, um, there's, there's nothing that usually goes according to plan. Um, and it's full of surprises, which is really different than, well, you know, I think different, but the same of training or bike racing, but you know, there's typically a very big goal you're trying to accomplish and it's very fast. and, And when you're, you're hunting, you're taking everything in at a very slow pace. Um, and what you see through your, binoculars, you know, is something that you would never see when you're grinding away on the bike. Hey, dog. <laughs> um, and sounds, like, sounds like my new grand dog, actually. That's a big voice right there. <laughs> yeah, we're in a coffee shop, but whatever. Whatever. Um, um, and so that was a really nice and fun transition, just hiking in the mountains. Um, and then ski season, you know, and just being able to really 
just dive into the activities that are seasonal here because we do have like our seasons are fierce and they're you know they don't hide themselves and so instead of trying to force a single activity year-round you know just to be able to move with the seasons and and ski a lot you know like I've been skinning the mountain and they opened last week and you know so it'll be just a big combination of Nordic and Alpine and backcountry and um, and I'm excited and I, I've incorporated structure back into the gym. So being more mindful of my strength work and just being, you know, working on muscle tone and fundamental strength and balance. And as I have entered into my forties now, I think that's a important piece of just staying fit and healthy and then doing the aerobic activities that you know, I feel like doing and not putting a ton of pressure on myself. And, and it's also been really um, kind of cool to see the opportunities that have presented themselves to me just in the last month of um, just really unending opportunities that I kind of am like, almost overwhelmed by in a way where, you know, I really want to protect the space that like, that I need for the things that I want to do and the goals that I feel passionate about. Um, so I'm not saying yes to these other opportunities that people are trying to talk me into. Um, so it's kind of just like sorting through all of that. And it's a little bit, um, you know, it feels a little bit unstable just because I don't, I don't have really an income right now, but I did just get my big lifetime check. And so, you know, that's a benefit of racing lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it's no just doubt. kind of allowing that to cushion the next few months or six months until um you know I find consistency again and um yeah so it's really good it's been really good but I will also add just because I think that you know it could be relatable is um I did go through a bit of a a post high depression or sense of just adjustment initially and it was like two weeks two or three weeks of just feeling some major fatigue and tiredness and almost even potentially relating it to a bit of depression feeling and I think that typically does happen to an extent in the fall when racing ends but um and I do I do like recognize that again it happened um you know, whether it just be our bodies are so in tune to accommodating such a high level of stress with training and racing in our day to days. And then all of a sudden not having that. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised and I mentioned this to you, but that it throws our hormone levels off a bit. Um, and I don't know the science behind that, but that's my theory. <laughs> Combined with a lack of sunshine here. Yeah. Um, you know, the short day, the short days of daylight, you, there's a lot, you know, it gets dark at like five and, you know, it, it's gray a lot and, and just trying to transitioning into a new, a different season. Um, I've been feeling much better the last few weeks. So that has also been nice and just excited to get outside and, um, starting to feel excited to get outside and put in like some higher volume, just ready to feel tired again. Yeah. So I feel fresh, you know, I feel fresh, I feel healthy. Um, so, and, and the quality of life is just great when you're not walking around half the time, like a zombie, cause like you're so fatigued from training and, and it takes so much mental, 
um, energy to just be so on top of, you know, the, what, what training requires just to be mentally prepared for all of that too. And the discipline and, and everything it's, there are always days, even at my level where I just want to like finish a hundred K gravel race without it being night <laughs> by the time I finish, yeah. but yeah. I still have to intentionally get on the bike, go for a run, go mm -hmm. down in the basement and put an hour in on the trainer or whatever. I have to mm -hmm. be intentional about it. And there is stress in my brain about that happening. It's like D asked me uh, this morning as I'm heading out of the house, uh, do you have plans today? And I'm like, oh, got to go downstairs and get on the trainer. So got to plan like an hour and a half block of time to get that hour ride in. And, and I mean, it must, must be a little refreshing to not have that stress. Like if I want to ride, I'll ride. If I want to skin, I'll skin. Yeah. And I think just providing, you know, some space and time most days to do go to the gym or, you know, go for a run or go skate skiing or whatever. Um, and then those days too, where Layla and I, we can kind of just go, we can go ski lifts on the weekends without me feeling like this is my rest day and I'm skiing lifts. Like I should just be at home with a cup of tea, right. but I'm, it's, I'm a mom and I want to ski with my kid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, Guilt-free. So, and I did, I did actually, that's exactly what I said to my husband was, I feel so free. It's, yeah. I feel like I've just been released of this, you know, where it has become a responsibility and a duty. And my heart has, you know, maybe not been in it the same as it was for a long time. And so, you know, at that point too, it's like, this has been a great thing for me, but I don't want that to change from being a great thing to not being a great thing. And, and it's just, it was the right time to be done. And I've seen like Courtney McFadden, you know, who we've talked to, I feel like she kind of recognized the same sort of thing and just was able to step away, you know, and the last thing that I have always known is I, I didn't want to continue racing longer than I should because I didn't know how to stop hmm. or I didn't know how to let that part of my identity go. Um, and I also knew that if I didn't allow my myself the space to retread myself a lot, I heard it's not retirement, it's retreading hmm. yourself. Um, if I didn't allow the space for that, I might not ever know like, the possibility of what was next um, right and so yeah i am excited and i feel like through coaching too i have an opportunity to offer more impact than being between the tape anymore mm -hmm. um and so it feels good it feels right so that's really helpful with the process that's that's and awesome i know how hard it is i know how hard it is to race at that level um you know, year in and year out and just trying to achieve that level of fitness, you know, and the older I get, the harder it is. <laughs> Amen. So yeah, so it's good. My body is happy. <laughs> well, listen, you had an incredible decade career. Like you said, so many titles, so many championship jerseys, so many, um, 
great experiences and awesome, uh, you know, you just, you get to travel the country and travel the world and ride your bike and what a, a beautiful decade of experiences you've had. So congratulations on all of that. Congratulations on Lifetime, on top five for the uh, the GC and, and finishing that out strong. So super fun to watch. Thank you. And listen. Yeah. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it's all, you know, it all works out. It does. So. It does indeed. Yep. I noticed yep. that every single day, really without exception i can't think of a single day that this didn't happen the sun comes up no matter what we do how good we feel how bad we feel how whatever but sun comes up and today's a new day we get to do with it what we may that's kind of a that's that true that's kind of a poem can i write that down <laughs> yeah i like it i love it yeah well, listen, I, I got to let you go on with your errands. We've talked for a long time, and I really appreciate you coming on again and giving me the lifetime experience and summarizing your wonderful summer and talking a little bit about your transition. So I appreciate it, and I hope we can stay in touch. I, Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. I, I actually kind of want to make the trek out there. I'm so envious watching you skin up those hills and, like, float down through that powder and we're dealing with uh, uh, it is amazing it is and i work at the little ski hill here seven oaks i'll give them a shout out and um i mean we're we're skiing on man-made snow sure. we're thankful for it yeah. but uh yeah. but i do watch you with envy no. for sure yeah there's nothing like skiing big mountains and lots of powder yep so come on out all right i'll, I'm on I'll my show way. you a good time i'm on my way <laughs> all right take care rose and uh thank you so enjoy much enjoy your winter thank you uh it was so good to talk to rose and i can't thank her enough for joining me to talk about this new chapter in her life and i'm so excited to hear that she'll be staying involved in cycling as a coach so be sure and look for her on Instagram at Rose Grant and online at rose.grant.com. Just Google it. You'll find her. If you're looking for some help reaching for the stars and becoming your best, I honestly can't imagine that she would not be an awesome partner in your journey. Now, I'd also like to thank you for tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave. If you like the show, you can support it by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. And of course, if you really dig it, please share it with your friends. And if you'd like to support the show financially and help improve this podcast, you can look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com or hit me on Venmo, if that's simpler for you, at David da, nope, David-Mabel. If you do, I'll send you a Bike Talk with Dave sticker. There's a link to buy me a coffee in the show notes. Now, if you want a real piece of history... You can put your order in for an original, limited edition Bike Talk with Dave hat. Just shoot me 25 bucks on Venmo, Venmo and I will send you a hat. I will be ordering from our friends at Bike Rags Apparel in mid-January, so get your order in soon. Now, I also need to thank you for supporting my daughter's new venture at DSM Boards. They have great charcuterie options for whatever your occasion. 
and she and her partner had so many orders from you that they filled up through the holidays. So if you're looking for a fun party or office or lunch idea after January 1st, connect with them on Instagram or Facebook at DSM Boards. And our music this week, again, is a song called The River by the Nadas. Jason Walsmith and the Nadas have been so good to allow me to use some of their music. I love highlighting local and original music, and the Nadas have been cranking out awesome albums for more than 20 years. Be sure and download some of their music on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. Look for Jason Walsmith's Storyteller's new album, Camper Van, and just download a bunch of the great tunes from the Nadas. I'd like to thank BikeIowa.com for being the online host of Bike Talk with Dave. BikeIowa.com is your one-stop shop for all kinds of cycling events, as well as news, information, and trails in Iowa and around the Midwest. Every week, new events are added, so be sure and bookmark BikeIowa.com and check back often. Bike Talk with Dave is a production of Summit Media Films, an award-winning independent film company. So let me just tell you, we are here to help you with all your media needs, whether you need a 15-second video edit for Instagram, photos, or even a live stream of your event. Or maybe you need help editing your new podcast. Summit Media is up for anything. Reach out on Instagram at Summit Media Films, or you can email direct dave at cisn.tv. Well, that's it for now. Thanks again for listening, and keep the rubber side down.